This WBEZ podcast is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is a topic that hides in the shadows. It's time we talk away the dark, learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide, and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at AFSP.org slash talkawaythedark. WVEZ is supported by Chicago Humanities, presenting live events with historians Doris Kearns Goodwin and John Meacham, comedian Reggie Watts and filmmaker Miranda July, and artists Hebrew Brantley and Amanda Williams in conversation, plus MSNBC chief correspondent Ali Velshi on small yet powerful acts of courage throughout history. Tickets for these events and more conversations on arts, culture, and current affairs at chicagohumanities.org. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. Illinois House Speaker Michael Madigan has been in power longer than any other state leader in the country. But after three and a half decades at the helm, Madigan is suspending his campaign to be reelected to that position. So what led to Madigan's decision, and where does this leave the vote for House Speaker? Well, joining us now to discuss this is WBEZ state politics reporter Dave McKinney. Hi, Dave. Hey, good morning. Also with us is John Chase. He's Director of Investigations at the Better Government Association. John, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. All right, Dave, I'll start with you. Wow. Tell us more. What led to Madigan's decision? Well, I mean, it it does feel like the ground has moved a little bit, but then, you know, with about five minutes of thinking about this, it, it doesn't appear that he is fully ending his bid. I mean, the very first line, this is not a withdrawal. What this suggests is that this is a strategic move by him to try to maybe let the caucus kind of beat one another up a little bit and see if anybody else can get to 60 votes. I think it was a blow to him to see that, you know, in the first test vote in the House Democratic caucus yesterday, he only got 51 votes and, of course, 60 are needed. And so he had a lot of work to do to be able to kind of get to that point where he needed to. The early analysis I'm getting from people is, is, as I mentioned, that that people are looking at at this like, well, this is not him formally pulling the plug on anything. He may be suspending things, but it doesn't look like, you know, we know for sure yet that House Speaker Michael Madigan's reign in Springfield is over with. Well, that's an interesting strategy. John, what's your reaction to the news? Yeah, I mean, I would agree with what uh, Dave just said. You can, (laughs) the biggest cliche in Springfield is, Everyone in Springfield is playing checkers, and Michael Madigan is playing 3D chess. So when he makes a move and you think, oh, here it is, you never know exactly where it's going to end because Mike Madigan is typically three or four steps in front of everybody else. So while it certainly looks like Mike Madigan is weakened here, and he is, I mean, let's be honest, this is probably the weakest he's ever been since he's become speaker, since he became speaker in 1983. I wouldn't necessarily be writing his political obituary just yet. But now this really does sort of open it up. Um, He has taken himself out. Who can fill that void? He's waiting to see if there is anybody who's going to fill that void. And I don't think anybody's got an answer to that right at this particular minute. So it sounds like neither of you is really counting him out all the way. John, I'm going to stick with you for a second. What do you think Madigan's decision means moving forward? It's a calculation. And so, you know, going forward, what you're going to see is you've got half of the Democrats in the House are women. You've got, obviously, a large segment of minority, both African-American and Latino, 
uh, and Latina lawmakers who are all going to try to fill this vacuum uh, with Mike Madigan temporarily not being a candidate for speaker. And so what you're going to see is, I think somebody used the phrase free-for-all. I think there is going to be a number of people sort of jockeying for position. You've got Ann Williams, um, a very strong candidate who got the most votes yesterday, 18 votes yesterday for speaker. She's obviously probably in the number one position at this point to see if she can start collecting more votes, if people start you know, gathering around her. They have until Wednesday to make this. And as anybody who's followed politics in Springfield can tell you, um, decisions that look extremely complicated can get solved very quickly if behind the doors uh, decisions are made and people sort of get in the line very quickly. Dave, what do you think this means moving forward? Well, again, I, I'm going back to the language that Madigan put in his, uh, in his statement. I mean, Madigan is a lawyer. He's very precise with his language. And so I think in situations like this, you have to look at every single word. And, and you also have to look at what's not in the statement. What's not in this statement is permission for those 51 House members, House Democratic members who cast votes for him yesterday to pick their own candidate. So what that means, I think, is that it suggests that Madigan now holds the largest block of votes in the House right now. Democrats, they come into this with 45 votes, uh, Williams with uh, with 18, Kifowit with three. Uh, State Representative Stephanie Kifowit from Oswego. So you can see that, that Madigan now is in a position where either He's going to let these guys kind of bloody one another up and see who's left standing, or he's going to become kingmaker and he's going to shift those 51 votes to somebody else. I think at the end of the day, Madigan doesn't want to be run out of office after after a career that lasted as long as it did. I mean, think about this. His career predated the Internet and personal computers and and cell phones. He wants to go out on his own terms. And if he were to, to leave on the heels of one negative vote here. I don't think that's the way he wants his his uh, political obituary to read. Well, let's go back a little bit. Last night's vote was the first test of Madigan's political standing after this entanglement that he had with the ComEd corruption investigation. Now, he isn't facing any charges and he denies any wrongdoing there. But Dave, remind us how it all unfolded and, and how the scandal has put Madigan in this most precarious position in, in decades. WBEZ and, and John's organization, the Better Government Association, we were kind of on the front lines of this more than a year ago. It was in 20, 2019, I believe, when we first all started getting you know, hints that, that there was federal activity, more than hints, that, that the feds were being very aggressive in going after you know, key allies of Speaker Madigan. As this investigation took root and began to blossom, what came of it ultimately last summer was an acknowledgement by Commonwealth Edison that they had engaged in a bribery scandal or scheme from 2011 through 2019 to basically shower Madigan precinct captains and political operatives associated with him with no work jobs and contracts in order to advance the utility company's agenda in Springfield. And during that period of time, they got some big victories. And so that acknowledgement then has led to more indictments uh, the former CEO and president of, of ComEd, Ann Promajori, was indicted along with, with Madigan's closest yeah. friends ever in Springfield. So th- that is really kind of what's weakened him. You know, during the, the summer when this agreement with ComEd was, was uh, inked with federal prosecutors, Madigan was referred to, I believe, more than 70 times, 72 times, if I'm not mistaken, as public official A. 
in this 38-page document. And that made clear that Madigan, while not charged, is certainly on the Fed's radar screen. And that's the problem he has right now. He's got these legal entanglements, as you say, that really has left him in a, in a, in a very weakened state for a man who has you know, commonly been referred to as Illinois' most powerful politician. John, another vote by House Democrats was slated for today. Is that still the case? They're still proceeding uh, going forward. Uh, I think they don't have to resolve a speaker today. So last I have heard, um, there's been a lot of jockeying about the criminal justice bill that is being put forward and lots of discussions back and forth. I believe all of that is still uh, still on schedule. Dave, is that what you're hearing, too? Well, I mean, I, I would not be surprised to see another roll call in the House Democratic Caucus go up on Speaker. And it might serve as an exclamation point on the statement that Madigan put out today, because if, if you know, someone like Ann Williams winds up getting 18 votes again after Madigan has suspended his operation, it sort of underscores his point that, like, you know, good luck. Try finding somebody else. You know, they're not anywhere close to 60 votes. So I would not be surprised if Madigan allowed another vote to happen on this just to kind of prove his point. Well, the full House will vote for Speaker on Wednesday. So given this development, Dave, what can we expect this week? I think it's hard to make predictions going out days here. I mean, you know, the, the rate we're moving now, if we, if we can predict an hour ahead of time, we're, we're doing something. The Constitution of Illinois says that they have to uh, come into session on Wednesday, and then the first order of business for the House is to elect a Speaker. And so Jesse White, the Secretary of State, will preside over the chamber until that happens. And all you have to do is look back in history. I mean, 1975, a long way, long time ago, the, the House was going into a situation where they had kind of a power vacuum, and it took 93 roll calls over nine days to elect a speaker. And I don't know if we're headed into that zone yet, but but we're certainly in a in a very kind of a deadlocked period of time right now. And I would not be surprised to see when they gavel in on Wednesday. I would not be surprised to see this thing still unresolved. And take t- it, it could take time to, to, to work its way out. Well, this is a name we've known for, for quite some time, you know, elected as House Speaker back in 1983. I, I want to dig a little bit deeper into his legacy. John, tell us more about how Madigan started his political career. Sure, yeah. I mean, above all, what you need to know about Mike Madigan is he is uh, one of the last vestiges of the Chicago machine. He came from uh, the 13th Ward, which is the same ward he still resides over uh, at the time, very blue-collar, southwest side near Midway Airport. And his father, Michael Sr., was a precinct captain and ward superintendent who also had a patronage job with Cook County clerk Mike Flynn. One of Flynn's employees was Richard J. Daly, who you know was obviously the boss. Uh, he was the future mayor. At that time, he wasn't even... Mayor Richard J. Daley. That relationship between the elder Madigan and the elder Daley was key for Mike Madigan, who was a law student at Loyola. When he when he was a law student at Loyola, he approached the mayor about you know, about a job and got one in the city's law department. Fast forward a little bit to 1969. Mike Madigan is 27 years old and becomes the youngest board boss in the city when he's elected 13th Ward Committeeman. A year later, 1970, on Daley's behalf, he was a delegate to the state convention. And later that year was elected to the Illinois House. That's really where things started. He remained tight with Richard J. Daley, and Madigan sort of ascended up the ladder in Springfield. But when Daley died, there were some problems. Jane Byrne became mayor in 1979. Madigan realized he needed to be less dependent on who was mayor and began to really forge his own way. 
Um, he didn't back Daly's son when, they, when the younger Daly ran for mayor in 1980, and he kept good relationships with African-American politicians during council wars with Harold Washington. And he also focused like a laser on the business of Springfield. He never ran for higher office, and in 1983, he became speaker. Uh, you know, from there, he really began consolidating his power out of the state house, and that's where it stayed. Dave, Madigan's career spans nine Illinois governors, nine Chicago mayors, eight presidents. And he's held legislative supermajorities in the House during several election cycles. But he's also been in charge through all of the state's recent budget woes. How would you describe his legacy and how has he been able to hold on to his power for so long? Well, I mean, it's complicated when it comes to legacy on him. I mean, he he for Democrats, he definitely has strengthened the party. I mean, it wasn't that long ago where, where all of suburban Chicago used to be solid Republican territory. And that's all flipped now to Democratic, uh, you know, controlled areas. And it's in no small part to what Madigan has done with his, his House members because those districts started turning in the mid-90s. He's presided over some of the, you know, biggest things that have come down the road here. I mean, uh, the abolition of the death penalty, legalization of gay marriage a big abortion rights package here in, in, in one of the more recent sessions. I mean, he, you know, you drive along the Dan Ryan, I mean, you look at, at uh, guaranteed rate field. I mean, that's there in large part because of Michael Madigan and in the same way with, with soldier field, the, 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 the flying saucer and the, uh, the old imprint of soldier field that's there because in large part because of Michael Madigan. So he's left his fingerprints all over the city of Chicago and the state of Illinois. And along with that, you can't ignore the fact that Illinois is in, of all the states in one of the worst financial positions. And he, he's not solely responsible for that, but he is the one thread of power that has remained through that entire time. I and mean, when we have the worst funded pension systems in America, you know, we have a, a backlog of unpaid bills that's close to $9 billion. I mean, a large part of that comes from the locking of horns he did with Bruce Rauner during his term in office. But, but still, you know, the financial problems relate to, to Madigan in some way. He bears some responsibility for those things as well. So you can't say enough about the imprint that he has left on the state of Illinois. In a lot of ways, Madigan's set the tone for how politics operates in Illinois. What gets passed, what doesn't get passed. And as we've said, he's been in that position for a very, very long time. My next question is for the both of you. How do you think state politics could change without him at the helm? John, you first. If he is not speaker... There is just a, a string of things that will look, I think, I don't want to say radically different, but certainly significantly different. Um, one of his nicknames down in Springfield is the gatekeeper. Um, you know, how that he infer, and he gets that name because of his control over what legislation gets to committees and gets voted on and what doesn't. Um, I think a lot of that would open up. Um, one of the things I want to make sure to mention is we're just finishing with the census, and we have a redistricting coming up. If Michael Madigan isn't the speaker, Michael Madigan, above almost anything, a, a lot of the consolidation of power that Dave was mm-hmm. talking about is due to the fact that he has controlled redrawing maps for decades in the state. If he's not the speaker, that is something that will be a huge, you know, will last obviously for the next decade. That's something that would really be significant, how the Democrats tackle that, because they'd still be in control of it. But without Mike Madigan, would be really something fascinating to watch. Well, let me just get a quick word in from Dave here, just 20 seconds. 
Well, again, I think, like Mark Twain said, rumors of his death may be greatly exaggerated, and I think the same is true for Mike Madigan. And I would just urge our listeners to listen to WBEZ over the, the, the next several days yeah. to watch how this story develops. It's very fluid. I don't think we can count Madigan out completely yet. WBEZ state politics reporter Dave McKinney and John Chase of the Better Government Association. Thank you both. Thanks. For the latest political stories from City Hall to Springfield to Washington, D.C., stay tuned to Reset and WBEZ. And for more conversations that take you beyond the headlines, make sure you're subscribed to this podcast. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Thanks for listening to Reset. We'll meet again tomorrow. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.